Hello and welcome once again to episode six of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code on this brand new show of ours. My name once again is Dimitri Bunyol and I'll be your host for this episode. And I'm joined today by my fellow completionists, Ben. Hey. And Fernando. Hello, hello. And we actually have not one, but two special guests today, Josh Holtz. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. And Tyler Hillsman. Hey there, happy to be here. So since we have a lot of junior developers that listen, can you tell us a bit about how you got into development? Let's start with Josh. Ooh, all right, so uh, uh, in 2004, I think, I started. Uh, I In my sophomore year of high school, they offered a uh, class I could take, and it was Visual Basic 6, 5, 5, Visual Basic 5, I think. So uh, I started started uh, with that my, my first semester. Uh, after that, we did HTML and CSS the second semester. And then uh, I got into the Java class for my junior year. And then by then, I tapped out of everything. So I did an independent study in my senior year for Java as well, I believe. Um, during this time, uh, my parents also got me a VPS for a Christmas present one year, which, wait, DPS? Virtual private server, yeah, yeah. Um, so I had my own uh, LAMP server that I did some PHP and MySQL on. I probably made some like really stupid stuff, but uh, it was c kind of fun to learn. Um, I ended up going to school uh, for engineering. Um, where we did a lot of Java in those four years. Um, I picked up Ruby on the side because I found a book at Barnes and Nobles for it and it looked it looked cool. I knew nothing about it, um, but it turns out that was probably one of like the best books I've ever bought in my entire life because uh, I pretty much do Ruby full time these days. Uh, so in engineering school, I did a lot of Java enterprise type of learning, whatnot. Um, and I actually saw my first iPhone, uh, I think it was my freshman year of college. And I was like, that is so cool. And I needed to get on that. But also I did not have a MacBook and I couldn't afford an iPhone. So I waited three years to get a Android. And then uh, I started doing Android development for a few years. Uh, got a, a MacBook after I graduated college. Um, started doing a little bit of iOS, nothing super serious. Uh, but I ended up taking a job at Rockwell Collins after graduation. Um, that I actually quit after two months. Um, <laughs> they, they weren't going to let me code at all. And I was like, that's not going to fly with me. Uh, so I actually moved to Iowa for that. And I moved back to Milwaukee. Um, and I wanted to do freelancing. But uh, four of my friends from school also wanted to get out of their enterprise job. Uh, so we started a software consulting firm. Um, I was the first one to be full time in it because I uh, YOLO quit my job. Um, but when I did work full time uh, with that, we brought uh, uh, we just kind of like uh, kind of like grew from me to two to three to four um, within within a year. So we had and then. We had four engineers and one designer, um, and we started that in 2011. Um, we're still going on today. Uh, we have a total of 10 employees now. Um, we do nice. a lot of stuff from, well, I mainly do mobile. We have 
Android guy. We do a lot of uh, cross-platform Ionic because it's kind of what our client base likes. Um, we have uh, Elixir folks uh, that are pretty uh, heavy on that side. Um, and then Fastlane is kind of what I do full-time right now inside of that. Um, I became a, a contributor in 2015. Um, and then I'm a maintainer of Fastlane, which is a uh, mobile automation distribution uh, tool. Uh, I became lead maintainer in 2018, and I've been doing that pretty much ever since. And that's mainly Ruby, but I have to still do a lot of stuff with iOS community, Android community, all that kind of stuff. Nice. Nice. And I what think about that's you, my Taylor? story. It's <laughs> a good story. Um, yeah, for me, I'm uh, I'm I'm a little unorthodox, uh, you know, like like a lot of kind of uh, self-taught uh, developers. I I mean, I guess my my programming. Uh, beginning started with HTML, CSS, kind of the, kind of the same like standard stuff. I actually kind of taught myself that in like middle school, high school. Um, my dad's a technology coordinator at uh, school, and so he was just you know I was playing around in his office, and he was like, "So set me down," and you know said, "Here, here's how to make a web page in Netscape Composer," and uh, you know kind of took it from there. Uh, so, you know decided to actually look at the code at some point and uh, you know write actually HTML from scratch. Um, so I always kind of had that as a um, hobby and just like making fun pages on my own, uh, doing a couple of side projects in, uh, in high school. And then in, uh, in college, my degree actually is in marketing and an MBA after that. But, um, I was always, uh, doing tech stuff. If I was on like a committee or a organization, I was always doing like the website or things like that. And so it was always just kind of, you know, something that went along with, uh, you know, what I like to do for fun basically. Um, and so, once it, I got a real job, uh, it was a marketing job, um, but I kind of, you know, transitioned myself to the tech side of marketing. And so like landing pages and HTML emails, which are horrible. Um, but I, you know, I did, did that at a, uh, at a corporation for, for a little bit. Um, and then uh, I heard that there was a class of a, a startup in town here in Kansas City that would teach app development. And so I was like, well, I, you know, it's not terribly different from web development, I'm sure. So let me just uh, jump in and try this. And it was a free, free course because they, they wanted you to use uh, their platform, which is like a proprietary platform. Um, and so I actually ended up working for them. So I, uh, I, I used the platform to learn. Uh, I also, you know, jumped in and, uh, and, and worked for them um, actually uh, primarily first as a marketing person, but then uh, actually transitioned more uh, into development while I was there. Um, had a few jaunts with uh, with uh, design stuff on the side as well. Started my own uh, kind of you know independent apps and things like that. Um, whenever Swift was announced, I jumped straight into that because I tried to teach myself Objective C and I I could do a little bit, but uh, you know Swift you know was more of a JavaScripty you know a little more approachable language that I was kind of used to, and so uh, I jumped right in Swift one and uh, uh, if you know haven't really looked back, uh, and so I really focused on mobile at that point. Um, had a few different jobs, but I'm currently in a in a position where I am uh, both on the product side and on the engineering side, uh, building out uh, mobile apps, uh, you know, leading, leading a mobile team of iOS and Android, also writing iOS uh, code. Um, my company's uh, Outdoorsy, which is a, a Airbnb, but for RVs is the, is the you know, one second pitch. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's what I'm currently doing. Um, so uh, yeah, I'll keep myself busy with, with uh, indie apps, uh, you know, my, my side project stuff, as well as, of course, the day job. So um, that's me. Wow, you guys are amazing. Like, <laughs> both stories were just like, what? No, that's 
Can he keep going? <laughs> we can keep so going. It's probably. a long story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, of course. I mean, it's just success after success. I'm very, very happy to have you guys here. Thank you. <laughs> so the whole reason why you're here is because I hear from Ben that you are very interested in talking about the different types of App Store oh. uh, models for building apps. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I uh, I'm I'm working on two apps right now because I have a problem with not, with uh, like having uh, a life outside of computers, <laughs> um, and I I'm trying to take these seriously. I've I've launched some in the past, and they've just been like more like tech projects, nothing that I actually wanted to market. So I've like may have put them up for a price just because I didn't want them to actually get downloaded. But that's like the extent of like my like like uh, uh, revenue model in apps. So I uh, opened up a can of worms and tweeted out like what's what's the best approach, uh, paid up front, uh, freemium or subscription stuff like that, and it kind of turned into a whole thing. Um, I my phone was just like blowing up the entire night because everybody had opinions, which were awesome because I have absolutely none as a developer or like person behind the app only as a consumer and this time i'm trying to be like the developer behind it so it's kind of curious like what what the correct way to go is and uh i so i'm i'm very uh uninformed in this field uh i i've i've created a revenue cat an account this week and that's as far as i've gotten i've done nothing with it yet well, that's one step further than no steps, right? I mean, at least you have... <laughs> that is very true. Very true. Yeah, and so, deciding that you actually want to, you know, make money off of it is a, is a step, yeah, too. Because, true. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be good to kind of to start out the conversation by saying what are sort of the... Gen generally speaking, what are the ways that you can uh, monetize your iOS app, at least in the modern, the modern context of the App Store, for those who don't know, if maybe you're new to iOS development. Basically, there's fully free where you don't charge anybody anything. There's fully paid up front where you charge a fee to purchase and then download and use your application. And that fee is usually just a one-time thing. Um, there is in-app purchase, which you can do either one of two ways. You can either have an in-app purchase that you use uh, inside the app to unlock new features, as a, again, as a one-time purchase. So maybe the app is free itself. But then, uh, and maybe some of the con some of the content and some of the features are available for free. And then the other features that you might have, you sort of put them behind this paywall and say, these three features are free. If you want these other three or four features, you need to pay for a pro upgrade. Uh, let's say it's three or four dollars, and they would do that once, and then they would unlock those features. That's typically called freemium, meaning sort of free plus premium. And then lastly, uh, there is also subscription. So same idea, the app is probably free. Uh, to download, and then in order to use it, you have to pay for a recurring subscription that can be, I think the options are monthly, or sorry, weekly, monthly, and yearly, I think are the three choices inside uh, App Store Connect. Um, yeah. Weekly is a thing? Yeah. That's, weekly yep. is actually... <laughs> $10 a week. Weekly is actually the, the one that scammers love to use because yep. <laughs> oftentimes people don't pay close attention, and so they'll see $5, and they'll go, oh, $5 a month, or $5 a year, that's fine. It's $5 a week, which is... I, I had no idea. Yeah. So <laughs> weekly, they, monthly, yearly? Week, week, yes, weekly, monthly, yearly are the, are the three options. Um, and I believe you can price it anywhere from $0.99 cents up to, I think the upper bound on pricing is 
not, is it ninety nine dollars now, or is it a thousand? Uh, is it still a thousand? A thousand nine nine nine. So you can I remember the I am rich app. I am rich. Yeah. Of right. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a variety of options, but basically those are the different ways that you can monetize your app. And then the one that maybe is the most interesting in sort of the the news today is the idea that you monetize your service, business, whatever it is outside the app store perhaps like through a website oh yeah um and then what that gets you is that gets you uh out of the 30 percent cut that apple would take because any of the things i talked about so far <laughs> that involve money and the app store apple takes 30 percent of all of those fees whichever one you end up picking so if you go outside the app store you can get around that uh but of course you run the risk of apple rejecting you and or shutting down your developer account and being you know quite nasty mean to you, to you. Yeah. yeah yeah i knew you, i knew that option was not one that I was even trying to consider. Yeah. I mean, it, it has a bunch of overhead and other things that, you know, you may or may not want to do anyway. So, yeah. Um, but just to Marcus, set the stage, that's, those are the options. So uh, there's also the option, which I like to call the Skype model. Uh, not the Skype, sorry, the Sketch model. Sorry, S-named S apps. Uh, <laughs> but it's kind of like a subscription where yeah. you pay for a set amount of time and you mm -hmm. get updates for that amount of time. But then it doesn't auto-renew at the end of it. And you right. kind of keep all the features that you quote-unquote paid for. And you continuously get um, like uh, maintenance updates forever, so that's kind of that's, like the in between. Of, that's kind of what like Tweetbot did, right? There was like Tweetbot four, Tweetbot five, something like that. Is that? I would say that's more of the traditional model where you kind of come out with a new version of the app and then you yeah. kind of I agree. Okay. From the old one from sale. Yeah. I don't even okay. know how you update the old one at that point. But I you think don't apps are connect. Yeah, you, you can't. I don't think you do. Straight up, yeah, you just lose it. There's another interesting model which I just read about. I think uh, Panic is coming up with the code editor. I don't know yeah. if it was Panic. Nova. Mm -hmm. Nova. Yeah, Nova, right? And what they're saying is like there's an upfront fee, uh, $45 or something like that. And then you can pay for yearly updates at any point in time. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty good. Like you can use it. Like I have Tower, uh, the Git client, mm -hmm. but I have Tower 2. Which is a great client, paid up front, happy with it, happy to give my money. But then they moved to a subscription in Tower 3. And I'm like, I am not paying a subscription for using like a Git UI client. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's your, that's your kind of uh, freedom to do so, right? You can, they, you can just keep using Tower 2 and there's no, there's no issue. The, I think the problem with the, the App Store when it comes to, you know, at least the, the iOS App Store, is that there, there aren't as many, there's not as much freedom there because let's say you're using a, an app that you really like um, and then the person developing that app decides to switch to a subscription model. The only real way to keep what you've got is to actively not update your app to the newest yep. version, right? <laughs> there's no way to kind of say like, no, no, I want to segregate this off and say that I don't ever want to update this again. You have to just kind of be careful and, and just avoid updating it, which is pretty much impossible to do, especially if you have something like, you know, automatic updates turned on, which I think is now the default. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of the one difference as far as the user is concerned, is there's just not as as much freedom to say, I'm happy with this. Like, I would have been happy keeping Tweety, right? Like, but that wasn't oh, an option. Yeah. <laughs> Yank it from the store, we, we upload it as Twitter, and then they'd ruin it, and, you know, <laughs> so on and so forth. So... Uh, what, for the people who have, I know, like for, for you, Tyler, you have Pennant. Do you have <laughs> a um, do you have a monetization model in there now? And if so, kind of how did you come to the sort of the conclusion of which one you wanted? Yeah, definitely. Uh, that is like 
that that goes all the way back to you know the beginning because so when I launched the app uh, it was like 2013 yeah it was it was like right before baseball season started in 2013 and in that in those times there was in in the olden days there were no subscriptions and even freemium was like kind of a thing but like a lot of paid up front was kind of just the way to go um, and having spent some time on it and also just tinkering and like not expecting to make a ton of money but like kind of wanted to get you know some some amount of like cash back or something um, I I put a price tag on it and I I forgot what I launched with, but it, over the course of the first couple of years, it was either 99 cents or $1.99 just paid up front. So okay. I think I kind of experimented with that a little bit back and forth. And um, honestly, I don't know which which one worked the best. But um, yeah, so it was paid up front there. Um, and then over the over a couple of years, it became like paid up front, kind of went, uh, you know, went out of style, I guess, a little bit, or there was a little more of a push to... Um, be able to like see what the app was all about before you actually you know, paid for it. And so I switched to kind of the, uh, the, the new system where it's free upfront and it's like ad supported and I don't really love it. And actually spoiler alert for my next version, I'm going to even rip ads out of the, the, the next version of it because there's a mess and it's Google and I don't want, you know, information being you know, getting soaked up there. But um, as far as, you know, the, the user would get like the basic stuff. And then I added a kind of a more in-depth uh, functionality uh, for, uh, you know, for people who wanted to pay. And uh, I, I, my, my justification really is that um, the deeper level stats uh, require uh, a deeper deeper level of uh, kind of up- upkeep and maintenance as far as the servers go, uh, because I'm I'm constantly scraping stuff and constantly calculating uh, you know baseball or right. stats in that case, and so um, yeah that's that's how I operated for quite a bit, um, and then uh, but I I wanted to be sure to grandfather in the previously paid people, so those people got you know a heck of a deal basically if they uh, you know re- relative uh, you know if they paid up front uh, I you know gave them all the features for free. Um, I mean how do you handle for- that Mike? yeah like, that's i'm not i'm not sure how that happens like yeah is there like a special code that you sent them in order to <laughs> like get them around the in-app purchase or so there is receipt validation which is a uh, uh notoriously tricky and uh, kind of a complex thing, which fortunately I think revenue cat handles for you, which is a, you know, a good thing that you're in that situation. But um, yeah, receipt validation is where you ask Apple, what's the current state of this user's uh, purchase history or like okay. what is their purchase history? And so I know which version I switched to you know, free. And so I say, basically if you're, if the original application version was before that, give them this functionality. And so, uh, yeah, had to you know, write that code because uh, I mean, there's, there's uh, there's, examples how to do it in app but apple says do that from a server just in case someone you know opens up your binary and, so you get you know, try... so you get the receipt from the actual app purchase mm-hmm. from those original users right correct yeah okay and then the new users you get receipts from the in-app purchases yes and i mean it, it all comes down the same uh you know the same call i think but uh yeah basically you okay. can see when when was this first downloaded and if if they're first downloaded when you know in my case at least because i don't have that tricky of a yeah. history uh, I can say, you know, if it's before this time, you know, give them this additional feature. So it's definitely an interesting migration. It's something I'm still sort of, uh, you know, paying, uh, <laughs> paying the cost on. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I wanted to, you know, make it right by those first users, even though like, oh, for sure, know, yeah. hopefully, you know, most of them have, uh, you know, hopefully most of them are still around. Uh, that'd be nice. But, um, as far as where I'm going now, I recently last year, uh, opened or, expanded what was once just a baseball app to be multiple sports. And so uh, in that case, I had a a complexity there where uh, people were already paying a subscription for advanced baseball stats. 
but I also wanted people to say to pay more for unlocking everything so that you could have baseball and football if you're interested and not have to buy two individual things, you, which you could, but to save money, uh, you know, can you know, unlock everything. And so that I you know, intentionally gave myself some complexity there and basically said, uh, you know, there's all sports and then there's each individual one. Um, I'm adding a drastic amount. I'm trying to shift away from that decision already after a year, um, mostly just to s- simplify things. Um, I'm drastically adding uh, new features to the app that really don't care about what sports you are looking at. It's kind of just open to everything. And so I'm going to add that only to this top tier and really de-emphasize those single sports. Um, but anyway, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Um, and so it's, it's definitely tricky. I also recently made a Revenue Cat uh, uh, account, uh, mostly because I've heard really good things about that. I'd, um, I, I want to say, I, I think Becky Hansmeyer uses it, and I'm sure plenty of people have, uh, use it. And um, yeah, it just really um, seems really simple. And so I'm going to give that a shot for this uh, upcoming version. How does that migration work over to that? The nice thing is that, uh, and I'm obviously a, a revenue cat new. Uh, the nice thing is that Same. they they fall yeah they fall back on like <laughs> Apple's records basically. So they uh, okay. you just you just tell them what your app IDs are or your uh, you know, in-app purchase IDs okay. are, and then they just know. And so it's like basically a wrapper around uh, you know, Apple's existing stuff. I mean, at this point, uh, in-app purchases have become so complex that yeah. it would be <laughs> no surprise at all if Apple acquired Revenue Cat. Right, it's like right. like I basically oh, a brainer at this point because it's like, it's like at what point did it become so complex that you need a third party company to help you sort these things out? Because <laughs> it's like like Tyler said, like you could do receipt validation on on the device, but if someone like if there's a malicious actor sending you invalid tickets, then you're giving out purchases. So you you need a third party server. So. Uh, up until recently, that basically ruled out Objective C and Swift for development. So you you would neither need something like there was a, a company AirDrop or or something I think who who was sort of like the precursor to RevenueCat. They handled subscriptions and uh, notifications and so on. But then RevenueCat really comes in with the let's just make it super simple as it should be. Yeah. For, like offering purchases to users. Do you mean Urban Airship? Is that what you were thinking of? Yes. Yeah. Did they they they, urban, they did like, something like that, right? They did push notifications. I don't know if they did receipt validation. I think they're still around. Um, they're very. From last I checked, they're extremely expensive, so they're only really like useful. Yeah, I know if it's a giant mm. app. I know they did push notifications. I wasn't aware of. I don't know if I'm misremembering. Then I remember. I remember having a need for like the server. Mm-hmm. And I'm being like, oh, I can't. Uh, like, yeah. I would need to run Ruby or PHP or whatever language is faster yeah. right now, JavaScript, and that would take a lot of time. <laughs> but that's a good <laughs> point, Fernando. That like the you know, as a sort of an artifact of of just a piece of the implementation details of your platform, an entire multi million dollar business is capable of being stood up and can right. exist yeah. to to serve that need. That is that is. For one, uh, you know, I think a, a great testament to the ingenuity of the founders of Revenue Cat, but also kind of a uh, pretty ridiculous that Apple's a two <laughs> trillion dollar company and they couldn't like make that work in a way that isn't terrible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, it's it's incredible. Now that you mention it, it's incredible the the two different sides of Apple. Where on the, on one side they're like, please learn to code. We built this amazing iPad app that anybody can use. We're uh, we're sending it to children, like literally seven-year-olds can code. And then on the other hand, their in-app purchase is so complex that a huge, like you said, multi-billion dollar company is just working on it. Yeah, It's funny. 
that doesn't mostly think... because we're trying to um, have the most options available, and that's mm-hmm. why the NF purchase system is as complex as it is, because you mm-hmm. can implement very different situations that are specific to your needs, whereas Revenue Cat is probably trying to solve, okay, what are the most common like workflows that developers are after, fair. and let's make that as easy as possible. And that is certainly something that Apple could like help support better. Um, but the fact that in-app purchases can support a huge amount of different situations, I think is a testament to its flexibility. Um, and they have been making efforts to make it more testable and easier to use. I mean, I learned th- this year that, oh, you don't longer need to sign out of your iTunes account on your phone anymore. You can just sign in with <laughs> mm, your yep. test account and you're signed into both. And that's that. And I'm like, why didn't I try this five years ago when I got last pissed <laughs> off at it? Because uh, it made me like jump back and forth between those accounts. Can you repeat that last thing? I don't think I was aware of the thing that you just said. And I'm yeah. unsure what it actually is. So <laughs> if you want to test your in-app purchases, you need to make okay. a sandbox account. And mm-hmm. you do that through yes. App Store Connect. Okay. Now... In the past, you had to log out of your iTunes account and log into your your test account and be very, very careful to never, ever click on a button that's not your uh, sandbox app. Mm -hmm. Because if you did by accident, it would turn your sandbox account into a real iTunes account, at which point you're screwed and you have to make a new one and burn a brand new email. And it doesn't support, like, the Gmail aliases or anything. Oh, no, it has to be, like, you can't use, like, burner emails. (laughs) It has to be yeah. like legit looking email. Yep. So I actually discovered that because the App Store Connect API, um, I had to do and uh, I kind of have to, I had to redo all that. And to test that out, I was like, okay, I'm just going to create email accounts with like the plus one, plus two, plus three. And it wouldn't let me do that. No. So <laughs> I had to create new Gmail accounts to test this with. I was like, this is, this is interesting. I don't, I don't really know why they don't allow that plus thing anymore, but uh, I guess they want to make sure that you're actually like different people. But for having test accounts, I feel like the plus one, plus two, plus three should totally be a thing they allow. Yeah. Well, hey. now it's a whole lot more testable, right? Apparently, like in, in yeah. Xcode, in a unit test, you can go ahead and make up whatever situation you want because the whole server is kind of mocked at that point. Okay. So you can run into any situation. Yeah, um, but that's, that's just in unit tests. I don't. I don't. I haven't tested it. An Xcode is that, twelve thing, or is like, yeah. yeah. Is that okay. is that store kit? Is that yeah. what that that is? Okay. I yeah, saw that. I saw some hype around it, but I was like, oh, I'm not going to use that. And then <laughs> now I'm like, maybe I'm going to use that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's one of those edges of WBC I haven't quite gotten to yet. I think uh, was one of those things I wanted to watch because I'd heard something about you know mm-hmm. uh, mocked up uh, you know testing different states and stuff and. I mean that's better than nothing for sure. That's that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. For me, a couple of years ago, I, I had to overhaul a uh, an app purchase subscription for an app that I was became in charge of, um, and it was this is both the in app purchase part itself and also the account creation that was done for just the app like internally for us for our company. But the I tracked fourteen steps to go from. <laughs> From zero, I just downloaded the app and installed it and ran it once to I have purchased and fully created an account and I'm ready to use the application. It was 14 steps long and none of them were documented. <laughs> that was not Apple's fault. That was people <laughs> who wrote the code before me. I'm crying a little bit. That sounds painful. <laughs> so I had to like basically run the app a billion times and basically every time I'd find a step, uh-huh. I would then literally mm-hmm. add 
some comments to so like, okay, this is step six, and then way over here is step eight, and then <laughs> and, and eventually I had it all documented, and then I was able to follow the flow, and I of course tried to sort of simplify that some, you know, if I could, uh, but but it's definitely the case that if you if you don't if you don't do this part of it, sort of like user sign up, purchasing that kind of thing, if you don't do that intentionally. Uh, I guess if, if you don't have intention behind it, right? If you don't sort of design it on purpose. It will end up looking, I'm sure, like that. So my my general advice is always to, you know, have figure out what you want, like the way you want your onboarding to go ahead of time, and then make and then factor in like store kit and all that stuff because it is going to be part of it, and and it isn't. It definitely isn't as easy as it could be. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I don't know if you guys follow like David Barnard on Twitter, but he's sort of famous for showing. For example, what, that little payment screen that pops up, like when you're all done and you've they've chosen a subscription or whatever, and mm-hmm. it brings up the little like system dialogue of how you're actually going to pay with Touch ID or Face ID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why couldn't they just bake all of the information directly into that screen? <laughs> right. And yep. then, yep. Revenue Cat has something like that <laughs> built in, right? Do they? Uh, like, I purchased a, I've purchased a few things the past few days, and it, like. Two or three of the apps had had confetti fly from the sky, <laughs> and I'm like, that can't just be a coincidence that that you both have confetti. So I don't know if that's a revenue cat thing, but I want that confetti kit. <laughs> I, uh, it's like I, the smoke from the disc. What what was it called? I don't know if any of you remember. There was a, a CD burner app uh, for the Mac at the mm. beginning of the oh. delicious generation, and it would literally have smoke come off the window. Um, as you're burning your CDs. Nice. So great. Sorry, I interrupted you, Tyler. Oh, I was going to say, I I, I put confetti in an app that has not not yet been released either, so I'll send that to you, Josh. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Yeah, I think we're uh, we're just... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Is it called Confetti Kit? (laughs) It should be. Yeah, there should be one. I uh, I I, I made one. I made one from scratch with the uh, emitter stuff. Yeah, 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 I I want that. Send that my way. It's I, I wrapped it. It's it's it used in Swift UI, but it's really UI kit. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> Cheater. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say like uh, even uh, to to continue with Ben's thoughts, uh, the issue that I've run into, and I I think I'm echoing Tyler here, is that even if you put a lot of thought in, into your onboarding, eventually you run into a point where you already have a bunch of users, and there's two things you mm-hmm. you usually want to do. One, you want to iterate your onboarding quickly to understand where you're losing users, what works, what doesn't work. And at the same time, you want to preserve the old users. So yep. it, it, it's really, mm-hmm. it gets like out of hand very, very quickly. Uh, it's very annoying. I, I think the, one of the least favorite parts of, of iOS development is in a purchasing for me. For sure. I think we're just scaring Josh off now. We're just saying, so I think I've actually made a decision. <laughs> I am going to, I am going to do in-app purchase. Um, Mainly because the well, the two apps I'm making are ones that that, that don't really have a a back end to them. Um, I actually challenged myself uh, for like the past year that I'm never gonna make a thing that has an actual like back end again because I don't have nice. the time for that. Nice. nice. Which is kind of the reason I haven't made an app in probably like forever. But I don't have time to do all that. I don't really find that fun these days. If I had time, it would probably be fun. I don't have time; it's not fun. So I want to like standalone apps. So the, the, the ones that I'm doing are probably not going to be subscription based, just because I don't. I feel like that's almost like stealing from users, because there, there's nothing really going on that really need, needs a subscription. 
And I feel like the only reason I almost want to go paid is because the app store has a separate like mm-hmm. paid list and free list. And one of my apps is an, an RSS app, which there's a million of them. I know like it's a tough, mar- tough, tough market to go into, but I did not like any of them that were out there. So I made this one just for me and I'm like, well, I might as well also put it out there. But if I put that one in, in the free list, I think that falls under the news category. And there are so many free news apps that like it's going to get lost there. I don't know what the paid news apps are like, but my other app would fall under the travel category. And I looked under the paid travel category and like the top app is like one where you find Walmart parking lots to park in for like <laughs> an RV. And I'm like, I could totally take that on. So like, I'm You're like, I almost that one. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably like a big thing for RVs that you have, Tyler, that you want to go park them in a Walmart parking lot. Um, I need to partner with this app. But I'm, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, do I put that one as a, as a paid up front? Because like that could top those charts. Does that help more? Or like there are a bunch of free travel apps. So I think I'm stuck with like, I think it should be an in app purchase of some sort. And I want to get like how, how like I market that in the app later. But like from like an app store marketing perspective, like I feel like there's almost more like it's easier to, to top the, the the ranks in the paid category like Spendstack did. Or I believe uh, Jordan Morgan is like in the top of the paid and five things in the finance category is his primary. Mm-hmm. Like I, so. I could do that maybe in the trip category, but I'm not sure exactly. So I think that's kind of my biggest point of which way do I go. In that. I think I think and, you need to think about like how easy it is to get to those charts nowadays because you have to dig quite a lot yeah. Um, yeah. Right now to get to them. So I don't know if any user bothers to get I, yeah, to that I don't point to agree. see it. But I will um, say, but, okay. related to that though, I will say that even if individual users are not going to go to those charts and look at them and they're like, oh, I'm going to get the number one whatever, right? The, those charts do influence, I believe... I mean, this is all black box, but like, I believe they do influence things like app of the day and sort of, it -hmm. it does bubble up for apps, the app store employees. And that means that if you are, you know, more consistently at the top end of those charts, Mm -hmm. you're more likely to get features, get app of the day, that kind of thing. Right. So even if the individual users are not using that as a way to sort of get apps themselves, it might allow you to then bubble up so that you can then get featured. I mean, like, uh, um, like Jordan Morgan, he was actually featured um, in he ended up getting featured on the iPhones that are in app in Apple stores. <laughs> yeah, um, that's cool. Which is Ooh, super yeah. cool. So it's like a demo version. Um, so Not again, right, I, now, but... <laughs> he, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was cool until we couldn't go out anymore. Unlucky timing there. Right. Yeah. Um, but but I think that's I think that in part is like how they come up with some of those who they're going to feature sort of based on you know yep. the app has to be good too but like where you chart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can always use the old technique too of having a paid app and a free app that feeds into <laughs> the paid app. I mean, it's can super you? easy nowadays Ooh. using StoreKit to just buy an app within another app, especially if it's your own. Like, you don't need to Wait. do anything. But can you do that? Have like yeah, a you can free buy and the paid version. Yeah, it yeah, happened so all the like, time back in the day. <laughs> uh, back yeah. in, I, yeah. I remember back in the day you could do it. I don't know why you have you this have... idea that it's forbidden now. You... It's it's not forbidden. Two IDs essentially. Right. Then, yeah. yeah, it's the so same app. Ironic. One without unlocked stuff in it. 
Ironically enough, my my app that's been in the app store since almost day one, the paid version got like taken off because it was too old, despite being like not 32-bit or anything. Apple just decided, oh, we're going to take this off because you haven't <laughs> updated in five years. Uh, but the yeah. free version, which wasn't updated since like I was six, is still up. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. So uh, that's feeding downloads somewhere. I don't know where. But... <laughs> But that's a, that's a good thing to, to keep in mind, Josh, is like when you're, you know, in, in this discussion of should it be paid up front or should it be freemium or should it be subscription yeah. or whatever. Like, uh, I think the idea of, of, you know, subscription costs for you, right? So if there's API costs you're incurring or server costs, whatever, that's going to influence how you decide um, yep. if, uh, how is that going to be perceived by users, right? Do, are they going to find a subscription valuable? Something we haven't talked about yet is like subscription fatigue, which is a thing that yeah. people go through certainly uh, into, in sort of the yep, modern day of yep. like everything has to be subscri- subscribed to um, and paid for. That's anything that's good anyway. Uh, so that that's a that's a concern. But like, if, you know, as a as a developer, when when you think of how should I do this, I think I, in addition to those ideas of like what monetary mechanism am I going to use to make money with this? Also, how is that going to influence how my app's going to be perceived on the store, right? Like where it's going to end up charting and and so yep. listen, I think that's another thing that that people don't necessarily think of, probably in particular because those charts are not as obvious anymore as they as they used to be in the app store. I mean, it, used to, it used to be the kind of the app store app was sort of driven by those charts. They mm-hmm. had their own tabs and mm-hmm. right, like it was just that. So that's how we kind of all gauged everything. Those charts still exist, but they're just not nearly I guess as be, visible anymore. I guess to be fair, yeah. I don't even know what the paid versus free list actually looks like now. Yeah. In the app <laughs> right. store. Exactly. It so I guess I <laughs> guess I might still be like imagining like iOS six app store in my head. <laughs> where right. like yeah big switch at the top you go yeah like i don't i don't i guess that's not really how the app store works now so i guess i could probably like cross that thought off my list as to, it yeah i, I agree really and to expand and to expand ben's point and this whole point about like it not mattering that much uh you just do whatever you feel like and yeah. and follow the data <laughs> Really, because yeah, yeah. like here's yeah. a funny anecdote. I worked for for a company that had that was charging paid upfront, right? So it was five dollars for the app. You paid, you downloaded the app, and then had fun with it. Eventually, they were like, subscription is the holy grail. Let's move over to subscription. But they didn't want to leave the paid upfront fee. So for a time, they were paid upfront, and then after you got in, wow you had to pay a subscription for like an, an additional... So the free tier wasn't free. It was $5. And then there was another subscription-based tier. The fr- and it, it, no, and the it worked. The free tier was $5? Well, yeah. I mean, that's, like, that's, that's sort of <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, In you, the you have tier. a pool of just paying, per, paying customers at that point, right? That, that no. is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, so what I'm saying is like, oh. that sounds crazy. And when they pinged Apple, like, yeah. hey, like the API sort of allows us to do this. Can we actually do it? Like, I remember the email coming back from Apple and being like, well, you could, but we actually don't know of anyone who has done that. So we tried it for a while. It worked. Eventually, we went all in on subscription. But it's such a funny story because it emphasizes that just do whatever you want. And if people start paying you, keep doing it. If they don't, just try again. Iterate. Try again. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So the part like I'm I'm stuck on well I I'm pretty sure I'm gonna go in at payment for the RSS one uh, just because like I don't want to have some upfront cost that battles other RSS readers like I want people to actually get in and use it and I made this for myself out of rage that I didn't have one like this 
Um, so like I like past me would have just released it for free, open source, whatever. But I was like, I don't. I want to challenge myself this year to actually market this thing. So now, like for the in-app purchase for like the pro level, do what like there's like two different paths I feel like I can go down. There's the like actually like limit features that makes it like almost painful to use in a way uh, without the like pro version. Or do I go like the here are some bonus features slash support the developer kind of feel like have more app icons, uh, get access to some other fun stuff that's stupid, but not actually like necessary for the app to work. Like my feels like support the developer because I'm totally biased that way. I'm like, oh, I I am the developer. I know how this developer of this app feels. I want to support the developer where I'm like probably less likely to purchase a pro version because I'm like, I'm not a pro user. I'm like the average Joe user that might not use this. I would much rather support the developer. In the end, it does the exact same thing. But like, what's the best way to kind of do that, I guess, in terms of like, not necessarily my app, but like, how do I decide kind of which route to go down? Tyler, for Pennant, did you take the approach of like, I'm going to I'm going to sort of dangle this pretty big carrot out. (laughs) Right. And and, uh, like he said, almost painfully restrict Uh the features like you talk to like, you know, Curtis Herbert with Mm -hmm. slopes. I feel like his app is, you know, he's a very much a proponent of like super strong call to action on upgrading to pro. That's what he wants you to do. Yeah. Right, um, right. And that's certainly a, a take you can take or, or, or you can do like the Fortnite thing where it's like the game is free and you can play the game all day long. And then here's a bunch of silly crap that you don't really need. Yeah. But it turns out you can make like hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> on silly crap that nobody really needs. Yeah, exactly. Since you put it that way, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, for, for me, I think that I... I, I, I tried to split the difference. Like I wanted it to be useful for free users, but I also wanted to provide value if you're willing to pay for it. And also the, the dollar amount I'm talking is like real small. Like I, uh, for a single sport, I think it's $2 a year. And for uh, the all sports pack, it's uh, oh, wow. $5, $5 a year. So it's, wow. it's basically, and, and actually I was talking to, uh, to uh, Charlie Chapman on, on his podcast and he was, uh, he said that, you know, it's the first one that he really thought about subscribing to because everything is seasonal basically. And like mm. you're technically not paying for a season, but you're paying for a year and, right. but it maps to a season in, in uh, sports terms. And so um, I think that that that's been beneficial. I also haven't, you know, charged a ton for it. Uh, I do think I'll probably bump up that, the high tier. So by, by now, uh, uh, before I, before I bump that up uh, for this, you know, additional features, but um, yeah, that's, that's the approach I've, I've taken. Um, I did add ads, which I think is a little more of a, a stick and less of a carrot, I guess. Uh, but like I said, I'm going to pull those out mostly because I can't stand that ugliness being on, uh, <laughs> on my UI. But, um, yeah, I, I do think I I'm, I'm leaning more towards that more support the developer, um, you know, style. Mm-hmm. I don't currently have app icons and like that would, you know, that would be something. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's a big you know, one. I feel like, yeah, stuff like, you know, stuff. Uh, I mean, uh, Charlie's done a great, great job. Um, you know, uh, Christian selling with Apollo has done a great job, mm-hmm. but like providing a really good functionality mm-hmm. for, free users uh i think i think it's free uh, and then uh you know i have a pro you know tier or like packs yeah he has buy. he has free he has yeah. one-time iaps and also subscriptions as well so he kind of hits hits all of them yeah yeah, yeah it's a, a little complex but i think i mean it, it i was looking through it I think it as we were his. yeah exactly as we were talking about this on twitter i was looking through and i was like man he, he's done a great job especially like yeah um, it's and it's not so much of a i guess you know he has a good like faq kind of justification for like you know so why, why am i paying money and he's like well i'm sending you push notifications that has a cost and it's you know stuff that uh non-tech people probably don't yeah. understand or, or think about 
uh, that you know there is ongoing you know uh, especially with the, you know the back end type stuff there you know ongoing costs. Yeah, Christian's um, audience is uh, for one they he's doing a great job because they love him they yeah, love exactly. Apollo yeah Apollo, mm-hmm. rabid fans of that I mean I love Apollo I use it that's the yeah. that I use um, <laughs> but also I think he does a really great job of like humanizing mm-hmm. those costs because I think mm-hmm. it's very I. I forget where it was, but I heard somewhere that I guess the decent portion of the world thinks that all apps in the App Store were built by Apple yeah. employees. And when yep. you say I make iOS apps, they people sometimes will think that yes. means you work for Apple, which is obviously not true. I think I think that was Jordan <laughs> Morgan. Actually, okay. for Apple? I think. <laughs> Yeah, but that was Jordan Morgan with Spence Stock. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was on a podcast, and I think he actually said that he got an email from someone, but like thinking that he worked at like some big enterprise, and he's like, "Nope, right, just me, side project." <laughs> right. So humanizing yeah. those costs, right, and saying like, "I'm just one person." Yeah. It's, this is my livelihood. I think that really helps to kind of uh, make people feel more understanding of. Oh, well, then five dollars a year is not that. Un- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and th- and that's something I I uh, have wanted to, and I, I need to do a better job about like humanizing myself. Like uh, back, uh, you know, back early on, I was like, I'm gonna you know say everything like you know we you know, like uh-huh. whenever like tweeting uh, stuff like you know oh we added this new thing, and like the better thing is they like I like and and I do have like made by Tyler Hillsman and Kansas City at the bottom of uh, like the settings screen and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, like, that was one thing uh, like talking about Christian is uh, like, he has like on his FAQ, he's like, uh, you know, here's, here's cute pictures of my cats or, you know, whatever. Right. And uh, I don't know. It's a cool touch that, uh, you know, probably, you know, is a good uh, step in breaking that, uh, that misconception that we're all corporations uh, right. you know, because you have to be Not a corporation. A corporation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> one person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Something I told my wife, who is also an iOS developer, um, is in every one of your settings slash about screen, put a picture of you and put a description of why you. I actually, this. I actually just did that in nice. my new app. I was like, I, I was about to release it to t- t- test flight uh, yesterday, and I'm like, Mm-mm, I need, I need my face in here, and I was mm-hmm. like, I want people to like see it's me, remember that like it's a real person behind it, and it's right now it's a free app for the hundred people that have it or whatever. But like, I want them to remember, like, it's it's a real person making this thing, yeah. like, in my spare time. So, like, I appreciate feedback, but just take it easy a little bit because I'm a real person. Yeah, adjust your feedback <laughs> accordingly because it's just me. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the person you're going to be talking to over email. And I think that's yeah, yeah that's I think a, that's smart. That's a big important thing to do because if you look at you know like Instagram, last I heard they had over a hundred iOS developers working on just Instagram by itself, which is kind of insane. That they that like I mean I know it's a huge app but like really a hundred people work in it. How side note? How does it? How like how? I've only <laughs> worked in an app with like yeah. with like may, maybe two people. Yeah, yeah. So like I always wanted to join an app with like ten ten developers to see like how things go, maybe more. But I'm like, how do you do a hundred? Yeah, I mean that's you why have... nothing gets done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's maybe. why we don't have an iPad app yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's too many people. They can't get an iPad app because Got it's just it. too okay. many people. That's, that's Got the it. problem. It's all the merch conflicts. Right. Yeah. But that's it's an important <laughs> thing to keep in mind, right? Is is for for the for sort of the general purpose audience, if the most popular apps are Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, like these apps that have these yeah. just like r- literally whole floors of a building full of people working on it. I think it's very easy for that audience to then assume like, well, then all apps. It's like no, most apps are just you know, Tyler by himself or John by himself, <laughs> yep. or, right? And, and and I think humanizing it really kind of uh, hopefully keeps people kind of uh, in perspective. I mean, probably not. You're going to get 
we're going to get angry emails regardless. But but true. Maybe maybe fewer maybe fewer of them. So does this help you, Josh, conceptualize <laughs> yeah. how I you think, want to get this going? I, I think it does. Like I was I was gonna go the in-app route just because like I was like I haven't done this before. I kind of want to see how it goes, but I feel like this is actually gonna be like the proper way to do it now. And I think I'm gonna go for the route of like humanizing it, being like, hey, this is me. Side project, heads up everyone. I have a passion for this, but like, if you want to support me, that's fine. If not, like, that's also totally fine because otherwise I would have released this for free. So like, at least I might get some dollars out of it, but at least I'm going to learn along the way how to do the net payment and stuff. Um, Because the payment upfront stuff, I've, I've, I've done that before. And that's like a 15 second thing to do and a lot less fun, but also a lot less work. So I think I'm going to go in a payment route and I'll, I'll report back how it goes. All right. Hopefully you find other Joshes who are like, well, I like money. He probably likes money. So I'm just going to send him some money. <laughs> I hope so. That'd be amazing. I mean, I wouldn't complain. What do you even name that in that purchase? Josh appreciation. Josh's Unite. Tip. Like that. Uh, yeah, I like money. I think, I, like I think my revenue cat is called like bonus stuff right now. Nice. Nice. I think that's the name of it. I don't know if I'm going to keep that, but I had no idea what to actually label it when I did it. So I'm just like, it's it's bonus stuff. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So this week's episode is actually brought to you by Fernando's new book, From Junior to Senior, Practical iOS Style Guide. Over the past 10 years, Fernando has helped people get positions at Apple, startups in Silicon Valley, and other companies all over the world. There's literally dozens of people Fernando's mentored through different programs, and he's seen it time and time again. After you learn the basics of programming, you slow down because learning through experience is demanding and painful. In the book, he's taken all the bits of information missing from tutorials that he constantly teaches rising programmers with, and he's written them down to help you overcome your tutorial hell stage faster. The book contains rules you can immediately apply to your coding habits to dramatically improve, code from published apps that will refactor that we will refactor and improve with these rules, and applied programming fundamentals. Encapsulation is not just a concept, you can see it in your code. Thanks once again to Fernando from uh, and from Junior to Senior for sponsoring Code Completion. Go to, um, uh, go to hbstwitter.com slash from junior to senior, that's F-R-O-M-J-R-T-O-S-R today to learn more and pre-order the book. That's so cool, so- I had no idea that you had a book. Congratulations. Yeah, awesome. I feel bad <laughs> I didn't you. know, and now I actually want to go pre-order this book. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I would appreciate I it. I up front, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, I like money. You like me. Send me money. <laughs> all right. Deal. You, Look, this is a business model in action. Oh, it's actually, yeah, exactly. It's an what? in-book purchase experience. You buy the book, and then you get the little leaflet, and you send it back with money. And, and then Fernando's very happy. Nice. <laughs> Auto renewing subscription is just uh, keep doing that. Yeah. I mean, that's the holy grail. I'll just, you get I'll one just... page, and then when you pay again, you get another page. Oh, one page a month. Sounds... One page a month. That UX <laughs> sounds terrible. <laughs> Still pre-order it, please. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So now it's time for complete the code, where we quiz our listeners on your knowledge of Swift, Apple, and all things development. Ben, can you take it away? Sure. 
Last week, we had a question uh, related to uh, some code around a, a table view cell and a date formatter. And there was, some, there was a part of that code that might have been incorrect. And we want to shout out to Mark. Got it right. He, he sent us a message on Twitter, which you can do too. Um, he was the first person to answer correctly. He says, uh, I have battle scars on this one. There's a <laughs> bug in line... Uh, he's saying line five, but on the screen it would be... No, line, okay, it's not line five, same one. Uh, on line five, um, the format that we're using in the date formatter is we want to display the year, the four-digit year, the two-digit month, and the two-digit day. But the problem is we're using capital-wise, and in the uh, expression for date format for, for year, month, and day... The capital Y character is meant to be a week-based calendar year, um, not a, an ordinary calendar year. So you want to use a lowercase y. If you want four digits, you do four uh, individual Y characters, lowercase, to get the sort of normal year that you would expect. If you use capital Ys, you're going to end up with a different value that will look strange, um, and you won't get what you want. So that's, that's the answer for last week. Great job, Mark, on figuring that out. This week, um, uh. if you take a look at the prompt we've got, uh, we've got some code here, a, a view class that has uh, a couple of properties and a, and a couple of methods. Um, so in here, we've got a view class with two properties, a private set uh, parent variable of type optional view and a private set children variable of type array of views. There are two methods, remove from parent view, which checks that the parent is not nil. And if it is, it removes self from the parent list of children. The other method is add child, which will check to see if the child is not present. And if it isn't, call remove from parent view on the child, append the passed in child view to the self's, uh, to self's children property, and assign self to the child's parent property. So from all of that, what might the developer who wrote this code have overlooked? So it's just like last week, the code we've got here um, might have a mistake in it. And the first person to correctly identify that mistake on Twitter will get a shout out next week's uh, next week's episode. So if you're listening to the podcast or watching, if you're watching, you can just look on the screen. If you're listening to the podcast, it's going to be available to you in the chapter art or in the show notes. So we can't talk about that right now, can we? No. Well, so it's a it's a <sighs> challenge for the for the audience. So because I I did a thing that I've never seen before. So I'm going to Google that after this. All right. If you if you have <laughs> thoughts and you think you might know what it is, tweet at us and we'll we'll shout you out in the next. I'm episode. not going to win this one. There's no way. But <laughs> I'm excited to see the answer next week. All right. So with all that out of the way, it's time for compiler error, a segment where I get to test my fellow completionists and our guests' knowledge about Swift, Apple, and all things development. So if you've ever played science or fiction at home, the rules should be instantly recognizable. I'll read out some statements, most of which are factual or valid code completions, if you will, while only one of them is an outright made up lie, AKA the compiler error. The best part, it's up to you to use your master debugging techniques to determine which one is the compiler error. So I have to ask everyone, when's the last time you've read the App Store review guidelines? Because that's what <laughs> all four of these uh, comment, uh, statements are about. And they were actually updated today, which is perfect timing. Uh... I have never read them. I expect the reviewers to tell me when I've done something <laughs> wrong, and then I read them. It's fair. Perfect. Uh, so let me read the four statements, and then I'll pick one of you to kind of deliberate over them. And you can reread them out loud. You can think out loud and try to come up with the one that's false, uh, because uh, you can only think alone, and everyone will kind of take their turn after you. So 
The first one is streaming game services may offer a catalog app on the App Store to help users sign up for the service and find the games on the App Store, provided that the app adheres to all guidelines, including offering users the option to pay for a subscription with in-app purchase and use sign-in with Apple. So app, review number two, or review guideline number two, apps in the kids category must not include links out of the app purchasing opportunities or other distractions to kids unless guarded behind a parental gate. Statement number three, screenshots should not include text and image overlays other than to illustrate the app in use, and they must not use any Apple devices or products for marketing purposes. And statement number four, if your app displays activity rings, they should not visualize move, exercise, or stand data in a way that resembles the activity control. So these are all App Store review guidelines that are uh, current as of today. I take no, no, uh, uh, no responsibility for anything that changes after today. Um, <laughs> and let's go ahead and start with you, Josh. So which one do you think is oh, the compiler error? I feel like one could lead to some like spicy discussion that we don't have time for today. <laughs> uh... Very spicy. So with Fastlane, I deal with a lot of like screenshot related things. Um, so that's one that like grabbed my attention first. Screenshots should not wait. Three are right, one is wrong. Is that is that what? Yeah, correct, correct. Oh, let's so illustrate three that. are real guidelines. Should not include text and image overlays. Other. I rem I saw a tweet today about something about like catalog app or something. I'm gonna ignore that one. I don't even like that one. Uh, I'm gonna go. Wait, which one's wrong? Right. Which yes, not correct. include. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How much time do we have left on the podcast? Fifteen seconds. As much go. time as you need. Fifteen oh. seconds? Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with number two for no logical reason at all. Oh, it just looks an good. agent of chaos. <laughs> uh, so what do I win? Do I win something? <laughs> You win prestige. Yeah. All right, I'll take it. Okay. So, yeah, thinking through these, I did briefly skim the updates. And I want to say the first one might match something, but I could be off by like a like a the inverse. Like, yeah, this could be like wrong or something. But I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that the first one is true, uh, or at least I I, I think so. Um, number two, I don't remember ever reading this, but I have seen quite a few kids apps and they all generally have a parental gate, which is probably just smart UX, but also might be obviously influenced by this rule. So I'm going to say that might be true. Uh, number three, I am fairly certain that this one is true, even though it's by far not like enforced, like you see all kinds of stuff in screenshots. <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess the uh man maybe maybe uh you know it used to be a little uh you know less vague or a little more uh clear cut or something but um i guess most things i guess do use text and images to illustrate the app in use that's kind of obviously the purpose so uh, even though i think people do use like iphone mockups but i want to say that was true but i do think the fourth one is false mostly because there is a activity ring uh class like a uh a included class that uh, i forgot what exactly what it's called but it's in a part of I don't know, whatever, one of those uh, activity kit or something like that, um, where you can display it. But I'm not entirely sure what activity control there means in that in that word. But I'm going to say four just because of that, because I think the intent of this uh, thing is to display activity rings, visualizing, move, exercise, and stand data. 
I just don't know what activity control is. Anyway, four. <laughs> so, Fernando? I, I think this is time for my revenge after last week's code completion. I think I know the answer. I'm going to say number one. <laughs> number one is false. Correct. Okay. And Ben? So uh, I know that three, unless something has changed, three should be true because uh, I've literally read that rule in there before. It is mm -hmm. funny how comically uh, ignored it is, um, both by people who upload apps and by Apple for not enforcing that they don't do this. Because, um, of course, you see um, Apple devices and mockups and stuff all over the place inside screenshots. But you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to show just the screen itself. Um, mm -hmm. There's also a thing about that in the video. You're not supposed to show things other than the app in use in the video, but again, I've seen a bunch of stuff that isn't that. So I'm pretty sure three is correct. Um, two sounds right, kind of just like what Tyler said, it, two seems like that would be reasonable, but again, you know, these rules are not, not necessarily all that, always that reasonable. Um, I just read today in the updates about the streaming game services, so they you may offer a catalog app in the App Store um, to help people s sign up for the service and find games. I know that part is true, Provided that they app it, so it seems reasonable that they it would adhere to all guidelines, and then offering users the option to pay for a subscription with in-app purchase and use sign with Apple again that seems reasonable. I don't remember reading that part of the updated guideline, but that again seems reasonable. However, Dimitri is famous for making something look accurate and then like <laughs> changing a small thing to make it technically wrong. That's so, what I was worried about. <laughs> so I'm going to say that that one is true because it all looked reasonable, but I, I, of course, could be wrong there. So that means that the only one left is for what Tyler voted on. The activity rings should not visualize, move, exercise, or stand data in any way that resembles the activity control. Seems like a semi-petty thing that Apple would make you do because they only want to be the only ones that, you know, that mm -hmm. looks that particular way. Um, but it's the only one that I've got left that I haven't ruled out, so I'm going to say four. <laughs> <laughs> my unmistakable logic there okay so you've all chosen almost all of you have chosen different statements but you have none of you have chosen number three so let's start there so screenshots do not include text and image overlays uh other than to illustrate the app in use and they must not use any apple devices or products for marketing purposes so this is review guideline uh 2.3.3 um, and I've reworded most of these just so that way they can fit on screen, but let me read out to you the original one. And it says, screenshots should show the app in use and not merely the title art, login page, or splash screen, and we all know that. Um, and they may also use text and overlay and image overlays, for example, to demonstrate input mechanisms such as an animated touch point or an Apple Pencil and show extended functionality on device, such as a touch bar. So this is actually an endorsement from Apple to go ahead and use their devices in screenshots. So this is the compiler error. I hate this game. <laughs> Wait. Uh, I, was so, oh. I was so sure it was a number three because they're usually very, like if you get featured, you get asked for assets that have no text because it gets mm -hmm. localized, right? right? So they may show your feature in several places in the world. And I was so sure, like, no, this this one's true. So we all lost? We all lost, Man. yes, immediately. <laughs> well, Dimitri won. Wow. Yeah. What are the chances? All right, I, wow. Wait, screenshots, it must not use. Oh, 
I should have. Oh, <laughs> I, I should have known that one. In in Fast Lane, we have a tool called Frame It that puts mm-hmm. Apple devices on screenshots. <laughs> I knew that I existed, but I just you of all people, Josh. I mean, I blame going first on that one and <laughs> the, the pressure of going first, not reading them. Um, I'm going to blame it on that. So. So, Dimitri, actually... is it the case that they, that used to be a rule as written? Because I'm almost positive that I remember reading a rule like that, like early so, on in the in the App Store. Yeah. So people do get um um what's what's that called when you get rejected? Revoked. Rejected. There we go. Uh, knew it started with an R. Um, so people do get rejected uh, when you include uh, Apple device trademarks in your copy, mm. and right. they mm. I didn't see anything that specifies you can't do that. So there's no guideline for saying you can't do that, though I've seen time and time again people get rejected for it, so I would never try it. Um, And I also thought, much like all of you, that you can't use an actual Apple device in the screenshots, but you can use, like, the silhouette of... Oh, that's how I read it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Almost Mm -hmm. everyone uses one of those nowadays to my chagrin because, like, it's easier just to see the app. Stop with the marketing baloney. (laughs) Put in your description. That's what a description's for. But nobody um, reads. So, no. <laughs> but I was very curious. I was very interested seeing that they actually endorse using like an Apple Pencil directly mm. in to show that you can use an Apple Pencil. I've never seen use... an Apple Pencil in a screenshot. And never, they really <laughs> want people to put an Apple Pencil in a screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> if that's the case, why do they, why do they still make us do the size of the actual like image? Then, if they if it's going to be any image. Yeah. Anyway. Apparently, that's that changed point. in June 8, twenty seventeen. Previously, the rule used to read, screenshots should show the app in use and not merely the title art, login page, or splash screen, and that's it. Mm. And so that's just that first part of it, yeah. Right, so, so I'm not entirely sure that, that, that we're incorrect in assuming that maybe before, like, you couldn't add text. I said as of today. No, no, no that's <laughs> totally fair, totally fair. I agree, Th- those are the rules. Uh, they added that, the, that you may include text overlays, and then in... Uh, September 2017, they added the image and to demonstrate input mechanisms such as animated touch point or the Apple Pencil. Where are you looking at this? Uh, I just have it memorized. (laughs) (laughs) And you still got it wrong? Oh, damn. (laughs) I I, I hate this game. I'm just going to (laughs) leave. So... So that means that the other four, three are, in fact, true. So number four, if your app displays activity rings, they should not visualize move, exercise, or stand data in a way that resembles the activity control. I'm like, huh? But yeah, that's that's an actual rule as stated. That's number 5.2.5. Sure. Control, like, is there a um, definition of what activity control is? Because I'm with Tyler on that one. I don't know what that is. I think that's the, the rings. The, the rings, the three rings. Oh, no, that, that's a that's MK activity view, which is like a class that you can use and populate oh. with your own with your data. And it's public. Right. It's not well, a private cool. API. It's yeah. So I, I guess you can you must use that, and you can't reimplement it yourself. I uh, think maybe no. I don't think so. So it's, uh, five uh, rule five point two intellectual property five point two point five says don't create an app that appears confusingly similar to an existing Apple product interface app, blah, blah, blah. And, and they specifically and unacceptable, yeah. Yeah, they specifically call out if your app displays activity rings, do not modify the look and feel of the rings themselves or the data they represent. So if you uh, show rings, they must show move, exercise, on or stand, stand you, data. You can't repurpose and, them. And I think they only, only they get to do that. Like only gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. 
Also, then, I'm, I'm and checking all this out at, at a webpage called appstorereviewguidelineshistory.com. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah. And we'll put that in the show notes, so everybody listening after you can. Next time I can quiz you on the past histories. <laughs> As of 2007. What have, what have you done, Fernando? You've given him a new power. Dim's uh, oh, no. not being on that episode. I don't want to take that quiz. So going on to number two, so apps in the kids category must not include links out of the app. So I didn't know that the kids category is actually sacred in a way that there's a lot of restrictions that make it just for kids. Um, and you can't like upsell them on anything. And you need to, you need to have a parental gate, which is like a little uh, functionality that only an adult could feasibly do, like move the circle into the triangle uh, yeah. kind of thing. And that's the example that they give. Um, what, two plus two. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're kids, guys. They're not dumb. Well, <laughs> I, I guess if they're smart enough to get past it, then then they're smart enough to reset their device anyway. So yeah, <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, and then number one is the new rule from today that clarified that game streaming services can be on the App Store. You can have a catalog app with an app purchase, and you must use Santa with Apple. I guess they just threw that in there as like a you need this. Um, and then it can link to individual apps on the App Store that um, I guess would read the same subscription from the same app group. I'm not too sure how that works to have cross app oh. subscriptions, um, but that's that's what they're that's now an official that's, rule in the App Store. Seems weird. Did you all see, by the way, today? I think it was today or maybe yesterday that uh, Apple was going to reject, um, was going to remove Epic's ability to use signing with Apple with yep. on Fortnite stuff, uh, ostensibly because they revoked their developer account to do the lawsuit, yada yada. And then people were like, "Oh, so you're, you're weaponizing signing with Apple now? You're making it so that if you don't like an app, you can not only potentially pull the app from the App Store, but you could, or you know, pull it so it can't be purchased again. But also, none of the existing users can log in if they've used signing with Apple." You're making it so that nobody would have, no developer would ever want to use signing with Apple because it's a you know it has mm-hmm. this kill but switch. But you have to, right? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> is yeah, is that a technical limitation that they currently have that they could so fix? Per- like perhaps the revoked account happens, so right. sign with Apple stuff all gets shut down, which kind of makes sense yes. in a way. It, no, that, but, but I that feel like you... were the case, they would have shut down signing with Apple the moment they revoked the the right. account, and so it, it's oh. still working. They they gave notice of them. They were looking at it at different times. And they have yeah, since, so I don't think it's technical. <laughs> and they have since okay. said publicly after a bunch of people got mad at Apple for saying they were going to do this, they have since said, oh, never mind, we're going to leave the Fortnite mm-hmm. and Apple working. So the fact that it Did didn't Apple shut down... Did Apple ever say they were going to shut it down, though? We only heard from the Fortnite people that oh, that's they were going to revoke it. So that's I don't fair, know if like... Apple said they weren't, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw them saying... I thought I saw a news report saying that they have since come out and said that they're not revoking it. Aha. Uh-huh. I think they didn't say they were going to revoke it, but I think they did say they weren't going to revoke it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> but it just, that and the fact that it didn't get shut down with the developer uh, certificates being being pulled shows you yep. that it's not a technical limitation. It mm-hmm. is yep. something okay. else. <laughs> So all of that said, Josh, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us this episode. Thanks yeah, for having us. Yeah, that was awesome. And how can people reach out to either of you? Josh first. I'm Josh D. Holtz almost everywhere. Twitter, uh, GitHub. Uh, well, I lied. My website is joshholtz.com, which is rather confusing. Um, but if you go to my Twitter, everything is there, Josh D. Holtz. So probably the best way to, to see stuff that I do. 
And Tyler? Uh, T Hillsman everywhere. T V H I L L S M A N. Uh, that's my uh, my Twitter handle. Uh, GitHub, even though I don't do uh, a ton, ton of stuff publicly, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, and then uh, I guess TylerHillsman.com is my website, but I also don't post, post too much there. So Twitter is kind of the, the entryway into stuff I tweet about. Uh, pin it if you're interested in it. It is Pin it app uh, on Twitter. Um, I think it's the first result when you search that on on, uh, on the App Store. Awesome. And as always, I want to th- personally thank everyone for watching and listening live this week. We'll be streaming every Friday um, as usual, so be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes go live and get released. Be sure to also sign up for our monthly newsletter on our website at CodeCompletion.io, where we will recap the topics we discuss, reveal the answers to complete the code, and share even more things we learned between episodes. And most importantly, as a new podcast, please be sure to share this with all your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development, whether it's from a very high level, you're just interested in it, or you're an actual app developer, we're here to teach all assets of that story. So it's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we talk about. And once again, I want to give my thanks to Ben, who is at Guy. that's F-E-R-R-O-U-S-G-U-Y on Twitter. And Fernando, who is at From Junior to Senior, that's F-R-O-M-J-R-T-O-S-R, for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri, and you can find me at Dimitri Buñol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. See ya. Bye, guys. See ya.